A conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what you're talking about, any conversation is not for nothing. Hi, I'm Kyle Leon Henderson, and welcome to Not For Nothing, the show where I bring to you all the conversations I'm having on a daily basis, or the conversations I want to be having. Today, we have my best friend again, Sarah Cooper. Hello. Hello. It's part two of the things we share. Last, well, last episode, uh, we started this list of songs you had wanted me to listen to, and last week i took a little hiatus because it's summer so why not but now we're back and we are finishing up this eight song list with the last four i will say first if you haven't listened to last the last episode it might be a good idea to go listen to that first because that'll explain exactly what we're doing but to recap what we're doing is sarah has given me a list of songs that she wants me to listen to and that way we can discuss it as friends and so i'm going to listen to them with you but we are not paying royalties for those songs on this podcast so i will tell you what the song is and then you will pause and go listen to the song should you wish because you're not going to hear the song on this show but you will hear me giving my commentary on that song and sarah as well so you're all caught up now we're gonna go i'm just here for emotional support i'm not giving commentary i'm not introducing the music (laughs) giving any backstory i am emotional support to watch kyle listen to a song well honestly i just need another living breathing person on this show you don't have to say anything i just need you to be here uh that's not (laughs) true i i need you here because you it's more fun when i'm it is more fun when you're here because we have a familiarity that can only be forged through time and it's been well over a decade now that we've known each other so because you old as fuck yeah and you're trailing right behind me (laughs) you're bringing up the rear and you're doing it with class um (laughs) but we that's something we've had in our friendship we always seem to share things with one another like try this out try this show is great this song is great you have to see this video now it is tiktoks mostly that we share with each other on a daily basis because i sent you all the adhd themed tiktoks well and i sent you all of the normal people making incredibly disastrous mistakes in their life tiktoks so yeah uh, because i love i love schadenfreude i love to live through other people's pain Um, but let's get started on the list again. This song, and I would say this album that this song is off of is probably what introduced me to Alice Cooper first. Um, it's, the song is Welcome to My Nightmare off the album, Welcome to My Nightmare. Um, it came out in 1975. It was his first, I believe, I want to say this was his first solo album again from separate from the Alice Cooper band. It's also the same album that Only Women Bleed is off of and what's funny to me about this one is it's classified as rock and disco the song is disco oh my gosh rock and disco um but again he wrote it with uh dick wagner um who's one of the heavy songwriter influences of that era and then the album producer and fun fact this song was performed on the muppet show i could see that like the muppet show it it's a it's like puppets (laughs) 
but laugh in, but also a little more irreverent than laugh in. And so, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The Muppets, like, people think Muppets are for kids. That's not a hard and fast rule. There's really no... Especially when the Muppets started. Right. I mean... It's... Let's go back. This is the 70s we're talking about. <laughs> the Muppets were just... I mean, the 70s, I don't know. Like, I guess people just weren't paying attention in the 70s like they are today because... They were on drugs. I mean, because everybody's just doing weirdo stuff so i don't know but i'm excited to listen to this song i'm excited to listen to this song um are you listening to it with share the song share the song with my friend sarah okay <laughs> she's like dying because she listened because we know that oh, yeah. if, to the show. if you've been listening to the show for a while you know that share is the actual biggest fan of this show so um and she's now probably gonna unsubscribe after that impression oh my gosh well if she wants to be you've lost your biggest fan well at least i still have polly that being said it's time to listen to alice cooper welcome to my nightmare Well, we just listened to Alice Cooper. Welcome to my nightmare. I hope you joined us in the listen on your own devices with your own preferred streaming services. Because otherwise you're about to be lost. Right. Because I didn't play <laughs> the song for us and I'm not gonna. Um, that was interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I did get some information going into it that might have persuaded me on my my sort of feelings about it. Like, like you said, he sang it on the Muppets show and it was classified as disco. So of course I'm going in with like the detective. I'd be like, is this really disco? Um, <laughs> so I think there's more, cause there's more jazz influence. I mean, there there's more jazz than disco in it. In my opinion, I've all like the horns and all right. that is more jazz than disco. Well, I, was, I don't really, I was thinking about what makes the song disco. What, what is disco? It's dance. Disco is for the dancing. It's the flared pants and, for me. That's what well, makes it disco. That's what makes, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the, the disco was all about. Ready to move, ready, you know, songs that you could Soul jam train, to. Yeah. And I was like, when it started, I was like, this is not, disco you cannot jam to this and then he it picked up the tempo and i was like oh, okay yeah i get kind of i mean i'm not, a, kinda, I'm not an not, expert I, so maybe they had a different criteria yeah. i don't know but anyway um it was interesting mm-hmm. because i really like it um i think it's really simple it's a simple song welcome to my nightmare mm-hmm. you're gonna like it i'm a disaster i remember i'm having a breakdown and it's fantastic. Welcome, welcome, welcome to my breakdown. Welcome, welcome to it. Um, as someone who has had a breakdown, and thanks to this show, publicly had a breakdown this year of my life just falling apart and me picking up the pieces. Uh, this made me think about something I was talking about with over dinner last night um, with some friends. I said, you know, eventually you go through these traumas and the traumas become part of your story. And that I guess yeah. that's what makes it a trauma, that it kind of changed the trajectory of your life. I said, but when you sit with those traumas and deal with those traumas for, for me, it's been 10 months now that since my dad died, mm-hmm. but it's like, I told, I was telling the table at dinner, um, you start to find joy in the suffering, joy in the trauma. 
of things like you you know that there's you i mean that's the piece of a drama or of a trauma for yourself is you eventually get to a point where you know you cannot change what is so you start to right. just live in it and that's what it reminded me of of like welcome to my nightmare every something's a nightmare for this man and he's just like you're gonna love it yeah i will say one of the things about alice cooper and i think one of the things i appreciate the most about him and his music is one theater kid at heart i'm gonna i'm always gonna be drawn to the spectacle mm -hmm. of things yeah. and so his music is always very spectacular in that storytelling sense but also he his goal when he came out essentially to get i mean recognized was to become the villain of music really but not but not the actual villain like a heart um harvey weinstein kind of villain mm -hmm. um or like an actual dangerous human he it was that very tongue-in-cheek theatrical phantom of the opera yeah. you know kind of like, dramatized so he was that was his thing he was the villain so it's always with the weird makeup it, but it's not it's a safe weirdo yeah. a safe villain you know he's never had a sexual scandal of abusing a woman and trapping right. him, her in her basement or something like that but so that theatricality with that tongue-in-cheekness of being i'm the mm -hmm. you know almost like one of those old british well, noir villains think, you know <laughs> i think that really does there is a place for that that i don't think we think about anymore in music everybody wants to be so individualistic and i'm not saying it's bad but just back then, in the times of the 60s, 70s, and even mm -hmm. 80s, mostly, um, mm -hmm. it seems like people decided, like with Kiss, they decided this is the character we're bringing. Um, right. And even, like, Shania Twain, I, she tells about that. Her name is not Shania, it's Eileen. And Oh, God, I would have picked Shania, too. <laughs> well, I mean, she, like, of course, it just kind of came down the pike that... Um, that people were like, that's just not a very marketable name, you know. Yeah. Let's let's do Shania, you know. Let's pick something else. And she and Shania is a Native American uh, word, which she is Canadian, right. so there she's around that culture in rural Canada. It means mm -hmm. I've arrived, and not to you know derail this, but but she says that you know in her real life she's Eileen, and she said I don't see Shania as a persona she said it to me it's like when you go to college and you have you know in your in your fraternity or your sorority they give you this nickname like boomer or something and then when you go back and you meet these friends that you've had for 30 years they still are going to call you boomer or whatever they're yeah. going to call you by that nickname and and so i it's not completely lost and you know we do have stage names now but mm -hmm. um everybody always says that they're trying to be authentic trying to be this trying to be that and it's like is that what Alice Cooper was trying to do? Be authentic? Or was he trying to, or was he trying to, tr to have a full message of his own choosing? I think in my, from my understanding, um, what's hysterical to me is his real name's like Vincent. Yeah. But he is Alice Cooper to the world, but he is, he gave up drug addiction for golf. He's a avid it's golfer. So pedestrian of him. <laughs> I know he's an avid golfer. He's an at home. He's a regular Joe. But the he pick, this is his character. This is like putting on the big bird costume to go outside, right. like to go on stage. So I, to me, it's a character he chose and forged for himself that never felt faked, though. Vincent, like it feels like it's it's Vincent Damien Vincent Damon Fernier. 
Yeah, like the most boring white man ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> but he, um, but it's a character he puts on to go out in that. Clearly, it's a part of him in some degree. And clearly, but it's also there's two different people. But if you met him on the golf course, from my understanding, he would still be Alice Cooper enough to take a photo with you. Right. He wouldn't be like, that's not me. Well, you know? I mean, he has it's the kinda hair, like, so you don't find oh, that yeah. hair on the golf course very much. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's in a ponytail when he's on. But I wonder if he wears course. the polo and you know the khakis. Oh, I, and... he he's got the cap. There's fo- if you Google Alice Cooper golfing, you see now. him dressed as a regular Joe on the golf course. I'm pretty sure when he came to Huntsville, he teed up at our country club before really? he had his show. Yeah, so he so um, he loves it but enough he also- to like see like he's like okay, I'm going to, I'm going to Huntsville. What's my golf course there? That yeah, but he also. On the flip side, he also walked around the mall just like and and took photos with people. Like, I mean, he's very much a parent of it's that self-aware. I know who I am to people, but I'm not too high and mighty of myself to not acknowledge that people who are like, I'm excited to I see mean, you. What I take from this is Alice Cooper is one of the world's biggest rock stars, but he still loves Wetzel's pretzels. I mean, that's it. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I so I think because he of that, again, totally derailed that conversation um the theatricality of is what it's seeing him perform these songs on stage like he did a movie with this music like a tv made for tv movie concert that kind of like it all feeds into that same little goth kid in me that loves that kind of stuff but it's not intention like to me a lot of people today when they want to push an agenda or push to be edgy it's like there's a lot of like graphic realistic violence and there's a lot of like aggressive inauthentic sexuality that is clearly you're trying to be Mm -hmm. edgy and he's like i'm gonna decapitate myself on stage i'm gonna throw fake money onto the audience and i'm gonna wear a snake around my neck but it's held the head off and on stage i've seen it twice (laughs) i want to go he still does it okay now i want to go to alice cooper (laughs) he has big muppet puppet things he's got big sets Yeah, that and seems it's custom so, like, made for Vegas, though, because Cher always said that she loves Vegas because you can do so much more because it costs so much money to take to stage move everything sets. around. And, but if you just yeah. have it in one spot, you can spend some money on it. Yeah, that sounds custom made for a residency in Vegas. I don't know if he's ready to settle down in Vegas just yet. I think he. I think. I mean, for a lot of he's rocks, older than for most a lot of, of the headliners in Vegas. I know, <laughs> but I don't think. I think a lot of these rock stars, especially the old school guys, that that feeling of going places. I think that's yeah. like an integrated part, like mm-hmm. of the bus and all. You yeah. know, <laughs> like there's that. But yeah, he's the shows, and you can Google it, like on YouTube. You can find live concerts and stuff, and it. He still does it the same as he did in the 60s and 70s. Like, he's not like there may be new technology and new big puppets and all that, mm-hmm. but it's still the core of it is yeah. just this level of cheesy 70s horror. I love that. His make his makeup, he based it off of what whatever happened to Baby Jane. Really? Oh my gosh. His face paint, that's where it came from. He painted it like what's her um, Betty Davis. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, okay. I love that. Like that's. Yeah. I will say now everyone to, to wrap it up. Um, what were you about to say? Everyone needs to go listen to an Alice Cooper concert. You gotta do it. Like, <laughs> let's do it. Let's all. I want to do. I want to go to an Alice Cooper concert with you. 
Um, I will say at the end, like toward the end of the song, last quarter of the song, when you heard the, you could hear rubble, like a wall crashing down. I'm like, I can picture that on the, on the Muppet show. I mean, I'm sure monster (laughs) burst through a wall somewhere. Anyway, now it is time for our next song and it's going to be Ozzy Osbourne, not Black Sabbath. Right. Ozzy Osbourne Dreamer. Which is from his 2001 album, Down to Earth. So this is not 70s rock. It's a 70s rock, no, but it's not 70s rock. It's a, it's not 70s rock. It is classified as just a rock song, and he wrote it with Marty Friedrichsen, who is still a relevant songwriter today, and Mick Jones of Foreigner. Marty Friedrichsen actually wrote a song for uh, Carrie Underwood that he is known for called Undo It. If nice. you're a Carrie Underwood fan. I'm fairly ca- I'm a connection. Fairly, I mean, I like <laughs> Carrie Underwood. I mean, she is, this um, is, she's, she's, I mean, she's the real deal. You can't beat her. She's a great singer. Yeah. Um, this song has been probably one of my earliest that I recognized as an Ozzy Osbourne well, song. Well, this is probably where the crossroads, because in 2001, I was eighth grade. So you were probably, you're three, I was four a, years younger than me. So you were. I was a sixth grade when 9-11 happened. So around sixth grade-ish. Yeah. So you're 12. <laughs> Fifth and sixth. I was like 15 and you were 12. No, I was God, fourteen and you were eleven. No, you're still old. You're, you're three. Years no, younger. I would have. You're three years younger. Than I me. was I born in ninety, so I was eleven yeah. in two thousand and one. Yeah, so eleven. So yeah, um, yeah. So Ozzy Osbourne, Dreamer. Right, that was that was a cute little one, Ozzy Osbourne Dreamer. Yeah, um, I actually do remember that song coming out. Yeah, um, I didn't, it, I don't re- like it did not live in my mind at all. But when I heard it, I was like, I remember with, this. Um, I didn't yeah. pay any attention to it then either. But yeah, um, <laughs> are you saying you just ignored the last? I mean, three no, minutes? I didn't pay any attention to it <laughs> then. Gotcha. I paid attention to it now. And I actually really like it because I I think about a few things when I listen to that one because it is pretty mellow. Um, Yeah. But I I think about a couple of things. I remember in in 1999 when Cher uh, Believe came out, um, it hit number one. And Mm -hmm. uh, that was, you know, that was a huge hit for Cher. And then big fucking deal. I think it was either ninety nine or two thousand. It might have even been ninety eight. I don't know. Um, when Aerosmith came out with "Don't Want to Miss a Thing" for the movie Armageddon, yeah. um, I think that was in two thousand. But I don't don't quote I me don't on that. I don't remember, but I remember it was around that same time. And so I, it just seems interesting that there was. I mean, even though Cher was doing sort of club music with that was her first like kind of club yeah club dance mix album mm-hmm. it was a people of a certain time coming back to the forefront and people were interested in them and yeah um and it was a more mellow sound for these rockers and um but also it was 2001 and ozzy osbourne is singing about he really really wants better times and yeah, you were younger than I was, and I don't think I was old enough to fully grasp it, grasp nine eleven from a full adult mindset. But 
looking back mm-hmm. and sort of knowing the history of it now the way that I do and in you know being a an a, a you know observer of moments and times um that was they were the people were pretty much just like they are now they're like what the hell is going on and how are we going to get through this moment right um because i mean it just felt like a breach you know it felt like right. after world war 2 uh, well, even during World War II, no, there was no battles on this soil. There's never been a battle on our soil since mm-hmm. the Civil War, mainly. I mean, there have been a few skirmishes out west, uh, but nothing like what it was. Yeah. And so, not a, generation after generation after generation, this country was sort of a fortress that was impenetrable. We'll go elsewhere, we'll fight you over there, but you won't come to these soils. And the buildings fail, because... Right. People, you know, they took control of our own planes and crashed them into our own buildings. And it just felt such like like a raw and naked moment for America. And people are trying to make sense of it. And this song apparently is what Ozzy Osbourne did. And I think it was a good, I think he yeah. did what he, I think with this song, he did what he knew how to do and he did it well, I think. Yeah, I don't, I was trying to see if I could find out when the album and the song were released. Because there is always time yeah, it takes date. between. Yeah when songs are written and perf- and right. recorded versus when they're released a lot of times and all that. They and I will can't... Write, they will tell you when they recorded it, when they wrote it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it came out in 2001 though, right? Right. Um, I will say this song, the line, when will all this anger, hate, and bigotry be gone is probably the single most that stands out. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I think is interesting is he refers to this as his version of John Lennon's Imagine. Really? Like, this is his version of that. I could see that. Um, which, this, you know, I think all songwriters and performers have that one, me- I don't know if melancholy is right, but that one song where they're, like, mm. trying to make sense of the world around them and what, yeah. what's bigger than them and what could be. Um, and also, fun fact, uh, the video was directed by Rob Zombie. I could see that. Yep. <laughs> Who I will plug is in a new super group with Nikki Six called LA Rats, and they just dropped their first song actually earlier this week. And it's a performance of I've Been Everywhere, Man. I'm an Everywhere Man. Oh, that's cool. Which is really cool. Unrelated. Worth that's noting because I just discovered it this week. <laughs> um, I love that. Because... Like, and I, I, it's funny because uh, I was working a, a gig back in 2007 (laughs) and i ran into rob zombie at that gig so he's an interesting fellow he was interesting um Um, yeah i I don't know that this song is as earwormy as imagine by john lennon oh (laughs) i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it's the same as earworminess but um the the message is very similar uh it does seem like a very similar message and i actually kind of resonate with this message a little more than imagine yeah. if i can say that without everybody in the world being I like think, you're stupid no um it just no because it's attainable. all subjective but it's more attainable because like yeah i mean it's beautiful thoughts with imagine imagine there's no religion it you know that's the core of imagine yeah i mean <laughs> he's basically saying there's no heaven there's no hell that's like asking you to change your whole belief system in a sense ozzy osborne's right. like can you just stop being freaking mean to each other <laughs> like right just, i don't and i also love, I, and, and actually the opposite he had crown or he had crosses and he any any he beseeched jesus yeah. christ help us down here so yeah. you know he's like please be and nice. i also th- 
I also have a soft spot because he is the Prince of Darkness and it's this, and he does have a lot of these beautiful ballads Mm -hmm. and kind of introspective, which kind of, you don't, again, it's that unexpected where you're the Prince of Darkness, you're, you know, supposedly, again, a villain type imagery and you've got this sweet little ballad, you know? Well, and, (laughs) and that's the thing. I think that's something that we should actually take from that as well that at that moment in the scary time for america and just the time of change that was forced upon us um the princes of darkness you know the prince of darkness mm-hmm. himself and like alice cooper he, you know all these people they the dark villain characters come out of the woodworks and say we're on we're on the same side let's all be nice yeah. to each other we're not doing that <laughs> now in this time no we're we i mean is that we're- a thing of the past <laughs> where the the villains and the heroes put down their weapons and ha- and join hands and march across to the to the greater you know good right so I mean I, I like that I I dig this Ozzy Osbourne um it, it's interesting that you're showing me these songs that people made a whole lot of something out of rock and roll that I'm not seeing you know what I mean like <laughs> I'm like it's good it's good music um it's not sinful. It's just well, I, I tried to pick stuff that I felt like if if I started with Alice Cooper's The Ballad of Dwight Fry or Dead Babies or something like that, you're probably not going to, it would be harder to go there and then go, here's the nice stuff. I'd rather go, here's yeah. the more center ground things. And then we're going to go into Paranoid by, you know, yeah. <laughs> Black Sabbath or some of the little more uh, weirder experimental stuff because- mm-hmm. That's the stuff that I would, I'm naturally more drawn to. But if you're trying to introduce someone to something, you don't, <laughs> you don't start there. Typically, you start with the more right. middle ground world exactly. that kind of gives you a hint of what there is to what there is out there. So um, now we're gonna change tunes. Like completely. we're getting to Neil Young. Can I ask you a little bit of thing, like backstory on Neil Young before we go there? I will do my best. Um, what is it about him? That, that just is like polarizing for people. He's a big old Canadian hippie. Okay, so we're from... <laughs> okay, that, that, that answers a lot. That, that takes me into that space because um, we're from Alabama and mm-hmm. Sweet Home Alabama... Uh, Calls out Mr. Young Mr. by Young name. Mr. Young will remember a Southern man. Don't need him around anyhow. Because he had a song... He had a song called Southern Man that was critical. Of, of the South. Ah. Well, we should. I'm going to um, listen to that and, at some point. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but I think, again, we kind of talked about previously Neil Young being sued for not sounding like himself. I think he's very much. I would consider him in the same. In my mind, he shares a space with Bob Dylan in the fact that they are just aggressively unapologetically who they are in their music and who they are in their world well um and that's and i think that that's sort of that time frame because like um joni mitchell was singing uh the paved paradise and put up a parking lot like middle finger you're you're you're, middle finger you're screwing up this planet for us yeah you know people were very unapologetic in their own way but i think men probably did it differently than Johnny Mitchell back then. Right. And so I think that's probably being, um, there's a kind of a, in my mind in music, and I think it's getting more to the forefront now, more so than it probably has been the politics 
being in arts aggressively so like it wasn't as commonplace like mm-hmm. we wouldn't as i don't think every rock star disclosed their political preferences back in the 70s and 80s. I don't think that was truly spoken because it does marginalize massive chunk of their audience one way or the other. Yeah. And it's only getting, you know, now people are like, I don't give a shit. You already bought my music. I'll tell you how I feel, you know? And I think the the feel like, I'm not the only person, but like two people I can think of. It's usually that have never, ever, ever disclosed their um political views is in country music and it's reba and dolly like reba reba is not as flashy as dolly she's just like Mm -hmm. i don't want to alienate but reba has said things about like she hangs out with gay people in real life and you know and dolly does too but dolly reba does not talk about jesus christ nearly as much as dolly does yeah. And it's just like, so Dolly goes deep into one direction and deep into the other. She mm-hmm. said, if I were born a man, I'd be a drag queen because I want to look exactly the way I look no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so those are the only two people that I've ever seen just like really toe the line of like, who knows? Who knows what they well, are? This is <laughs> in country rock, I guess I'll say this, but talking about not alienating audience when i went to see leonard skinner perform Mm -hmm. in huntsville it's within the last five years i can't remember what year it was as you can imagine in alabama seeing leonard skinner you'd see a confederate flag every which way people they never not one band member was wearing one Mm -hmm. it was not on their merch it was not even flown. There was nothing yeah. that had the Confederate flag on it by the band, which was a very, if you weren't looking for it, you would have missed it, yeah. but it was clearly there. That was, they were taking a stance in their own right well, in front of their audience. Isn't the cover of whatever album Sweet Home Alabama is on, isn't the cover of that album a, a rebel flag? Well, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. it is. But I think now performing nowadays they've removed it from their act mm-hmm. well and they should and that's a when you know better, well yes yeah, so they better. should but but that doesn't you know that would if they spoke on it it'd probably alienate their audience but they're going to subtly do it and fly the Amer- and show the american flag when they play free bird and show the alabama state flag instead of the confederate yeah. flag you know like those subtle things well and you know i don't need <laughs> i on I mean, people listening may disagree with me but i don't really think i need them to make a statement about it. I don't need anybody to make a statement about it. The mm-hmm. flag should not be used, so just take it down. You don't have to be like, right. we're taking this down because you don't have, you're a rock star, you're a performer, you're a whatever, whoever's doing it. You don't have to, it's not your job to educate those people. It is your job right. to emulate what's right. Just like, right. I mean, like Dolly Parton, when she changed, um, she changed the Dixie Stampede to Dolly Parton's Stampede. Um, and, you know, she just kind of did it quietly. Yeah. But then people are like, what are you doing? She goes, well, it's time. And then she just moved on. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's time. We don't need this anymore. So, yeah. And I think for Southern people who have been, and this is an entire different podcast, who have been fed the lie of the downtrodden, beat down Southern Confederate soldier, yeah. it feels like you're kicking the little guy again. Which is ridiculous because I'm like, it's one, the daughters of the Confederacy completely sold you a bit of lies to be educated on. Yeah. 
another again another podcast for another day but you know there's that (laughs) mentality and so you have to so i think again going back to Leonard Skinner and the Confederate flag I think that's why they kind of just subtly did it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't on their band shirts they weren't selling them um I'm pretty sure when I went to see uh Charlie Daniels band there was still some Confederate flagness in his merch booth but rest in peace I can't do anything about that now can't talk to you about it but um but so again that but there's that mentality and I think Neil Young being considered an outspoken of his beliefs and his what what he thinks is right is probably what antagonized him, at least with Leonard Skinner writing the song Southern Man. And he, they're like, bitch, you ain't even Southern. Yeah. What are you talking about? Um, but yeah, but I, he's got a very, to me, he's got a very foundation cornerstone of music that is important, especially looking at a songwriter front. And naturally, the first one we're going to listen to is Rockin' in the Free World, which came out in 1989. Ooh. Um, off his, <laughs> aptly named freedom album and mm-hmm. for for shits and giggles it is rated 216 on the rolling stones rolling stones 500 greatest songs of all time list wow so that's need to know. <laughs> number 216 out no, of 500 it's, it's, so it's on the top it's half. in the mix it's in the top yeah half. <laughs> uh okay so neil young rocking with the rear rocking in the free world uh head on over to your streamer and listen to it with us So, Neil Young, Rockin' in the Free World. That mm-hmm. was impressive. I, like, at first I was like, mm, I don't know. Not really my thing. Because uh, it is a little bit, he- it's a lot, you know, rockier than I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Um, In a, because that was, that's the thing. I don't, I'm not a huge rock fan because I'm a lyricist, sort of, I lean to the lyrics. But then yeah. his lyrics started jumping out at me and I was like, it was about hw's administration certainly was when he said we have a thousand (laughs) points of light i was like oh so we're not even hiding it we're not like just this is not arbitrary you've got a message this is like pink's dear mr president yeah Uh, this is a (laughs) especially that got a man of the people says keep hope alive got fuel to burn got roads to drive i'm like "Mm mm-hmm yep Mm-hmm. Um, and that you was, never have to ask Neil Young how he feels; no. he will tell you. Well, and this is interesting that John Meacham and Tim McGraw wrote a book uh, a couple of years ago, and the whole point of this book together it was uh, the American Songbook, and it said if you want to mm-hmm. know the his if you want to know the story of America, you got to listen to our music. And this song mm-hmm. just reminded me of that. Like, you need to you want to know what what you know the public was feeling, you know, about George Bush. Why did he only have one term and then Bill Clinton beat him in his, you know, for his reelection. Yeah. This song can tell you that a little bit. Yeah. And it's, um, and I, I think I like, cause I like the chorus and I like that you can tell clearly it's a criticism. It's not a go. It's not, you know, I'm an American soldier type, you yeah. know, it's very much a criticism and it's not even with, if you just listened to the chorus, you would could tell based on his tone and the way it was being sung that it was a criticism, which mm-hmm. again, I think you never have to ask Neil Young how he feels. I feel yeah. like he's going to tell you. And I think that's probably what, in a lot of ways, why a lot of the more grungy, bluesier people 
consider him the godfather of grunge because there was no mincing words, Mm -hmm. you know, there was, you know, and I think if, especially if you look at like Nirvana and stuff like that, that came out of grunge, there was no hiding what they were telling you. Well, and I always just, I guess I never really, my assumptions about Neil Young was never grunge. Um, And this song is not what my assumptions of what Neil Young's songs would sound like. And um, it it was a lot more rock and roll than I thought it was going to be in like a lot more garage band type jam. You know, there was a jam to it that Mm -hmm. I didn't think that would be there. Um, Well, the next one's a a complete switch flip. (laughs) Sugar Mountain by Neil Young. Um, Yeah. When is what is the specs on this one? It came out in 1977. However, he composed it in 1964 when he was 19. Oh, really? Okay. But it didn't come out until it was on a comp. It was included on a compilation album, which included five never before released songs. Ah. Um, and I this is my I would say my favorite Neil Young song. Um, this one is Sugar Mountain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's and this is quintessential folk rock. That is this, right. This. <laughs> so okay well neil young sugar mountain and we'll see you on the other side of the song all right we just listened to sugar mountain by neil young and that was probably what i was thinking more neil young would be like Right. Um, there's just something about songwriters and singers of that time, especially from the mm-hmm. 60s and the early 70s, where they just seemed so sad. <laughs> like, they really just, like, everybody's just like, man, life sucks. Yeah. Well, that was more of just reminiscing about being youthful which mm-hmm. is kind of i mean in a sense it is sad when you're 19 and you think you have that identity crisis but i also think that's probably a very universal feeling for a lot of people yeah because you before 19 you're with your family and you're who your family yeah. wants you to be and then now you're like oh i can be who i want to be but who is that um but no this was interesting like i it was very melancholy yeah, and I think um, so. I it's always been one of my favorites of his. I've always liked it because it kind of makes me, in a weird way, my mind drifts to the carnival in Pinocchio. <laughs> really? Like that's always like oh, when you, you say just, like just like youthful exuberant. Yeah, but it's no... like kind of there's a dark undertone a little bit. Yeah. Like that that makes sense. I don't know. That's just where. That's just where my mind always goes for some reason. I like that analogy, um, though. That's really great. Um, yeah, that 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 really put me into a somber mood. I will say, yeah. like listening to that song. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just interesting that to think about Sugar Mountain writing it in '64, um, and then getting to um, rocking in the free free world in '89, like. Mm-hmm. That that's a journey. That is though. a full that's, journey. Yeah. So that's twenty five years of growth, hap- you know, and mm-hmm. maturity. Um, well, and seeing and the world changing. Yeah. yeah. So that completes our list of eight songs that were sort of my introduction into your world of rock and roll. So list number one. 
There'll be more lists. Yeah, list number <laughs> one. There'll be more lists. Um, that's exciting. Well, um, thank you for sharing that list with me because I always love to learn like a little bit because I feel like music is the inner workings of our heart sometimes mm-hmm. in our mind of how we interpret the world around us because we a lot of times like the pandemic. We go through the same thing. We experience the same things, but we we artistically express ourselves through other people's work very differently. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's always interesting. So before we move on from your list, what was, what's the, your favorite from that list of the eight? Um, it's kind of hard to say. Cause you had cause said that Sugar Mountain me- is your favorite Neil Young song. And then yeah. Dreamer is your favorite Ozzy Osbourne song. And yeah. you know, so all these are your favorites of that person, but what, yeah. which one of these is your favorite? Honestly, um, I listened to Stolen Prayer by Alice Cooper from phase one, mm-hmm. phase one of the list, probably the most. Yeah. Um, um, so probably that or Mama, I'm Coming Home by Ozzy. Huh. Both of those probably are my top two on yeah. this selection that are my, like, that I listen to the most. That's really interesting. And knowing your story, that that's somewhat telling. A little bit, I think. So, thank you for sharing that. Um, You're welcome. What What was your favorite? I think my being favorite... introduced to. <laughs> okay, so I will say the four that I listened to today: uh, "Dreamer" by Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. and then the last on the first half of the list you gave me. I think my favorites from that part would have to be either "War Pigs" or "Mama, I'm Coming Home." I so you're think an Aussie War fan. Pigs. I think it's War Pigs. <laughs> it's such a good song. I am an Aussie fan, so I think it's okay. So is it you're, between? We'll have to get you a shirt. You're you're an I Aussie fan so. now. Like that's interesting. <laughs> I did not see this coming at all. Um, Dreamer or War Pigs? Yeah. I I mean I think I really like War Pigs resonates with me in the message, right. but the artistic expression I think Dreamer is more my speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna. But go regardless, with a tie. you're an Aussie fan. I'm gonna go with a tie. Yeah, I'm an Aussie <laughs> fan. Like okay. Hashtag I'm out. I'm an Aussie fan. <laughs> like I was a fan of his wife too until she defended racism a little bit on her TV show. So here's Morgan. Yeah. I mean I don't know she, like. I don't think she defended racism, but she didn't understand that she needed to be anti-racist. And that is a thing that people of a certain age her, don't understand. Um, and that her friend is kind of a shitty person. Yeah, like how many times does your friend have to be a garbage heap before you'll realize birds of a feather? He's a garbage heap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's exciting to know my favorite. Um, would you allow <laughs> me to share some stuff with you right quick? Sure. Because I, you know, I want to share some stuff and you do have, um, you have listened to country music and you have somewhat of an appreciation for country music, but I don't think you are as into it as I am. And you don't get as intimately involved with the details of the history of it. Like I do, like you did with, um, Mm -hmm. rock and roll. Um, and so, and I've always been interested in sharing country music with people because I had a friend here in LA who like, asked me very critically, do you, you, you like country music? And he was a professional musician. He was a very, very successful professional musician who said, you like country music? And he said it in a critical way. And I'm like, I don't trust you as a professional musician if you don't have a respect for country music, sir, madam. 
So, well, there's a difference, and I think people forget there's a difference between country music and a gonna drive. I'm gonna sing about a red solo cup and drive my truck around mm-hmm. and shooting guns. Like, there's well, that's that's not all a country music. Well, there's a lot more to it. The thing about country music is it's derived from folk music which is derived Mm -hmm. from i mean the whole point of folk music the whole point of country music is to tell a story and Mm -hmm. um and people and that's the thing even to this day people are writing songs that pour their life out in country in their songs and Mm -hmm. i'm gonna show you two songs today one i think you'll have a really great appreciation for already because of the artist and the other one i think has never been on your radar and you, I don't suspect that it'll they'll be on your radar after this, but I suspect they will have more of your respect after this. Um, but so I'm gonna show you a song by the Chicks, previously called the mm-hmm. Dixie Chicks. When you know better, you do better. Um, and one I'm gonna show you from Reba McIntyre, and both of these albums. So something happened in country radio in the last like half decade to decade, actually. Where women don't get played at all. Right. Like, no, if- Carrie Underwood can get some time. Maybe Miranda Lambert at times. Kelsey Ballerini at times. But that's it. Mm-hmm. These women who formed the bedrock of country music, they don't get played anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so about a few years ago, just coincidentally, a lot of country women were getting left by their husbands. And... Women started like realizing that they're not going to get played on the radio. So mm-hmm. balls to the wall. Here's my new music. Um, and some of them with Reba, especially. And well, the three that really struck me was Shania Twain, Reba McIntyre and the chicks is Natalie mm-hmm. Maines, the lead singer from the chick. Yeah. Her husband cheated on her. Uh, Reba McIntyre, her husband cheated on her. Um, and, um, famously her husband cheated on her he was caught up in the ashley madison scandal <laughs> he, ashley madison. his name was on the ashley madison list and reba didn't want to end their marriage he did mm-hmm. like after it was all out he's like i'm out of here bye and she's like please don't <laughs> um and i think I've, I've shared this with you privately I'll, I'll share just a little bit on this podcast with shania twain she famously did not want to be in the spotlight, so she moved to Switzerland, and she had a best friend who worked for her and her husband, mm-hmm. and her husband wound up cheating on her with her best friend. And she would yep. complain to her best friend or, you know, confide in her best friend, I think something's up with Mutt, that's his name. And he's, yeah. and she's like, no, 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 everything's fine, everything's fine. He seems fine to me. It's because you're, you know, sleeping with him. Well... With Reba and Shania, there was that was their husbands were their producers. Their husbands mm-hmm. was the source of their music being put out there. So that was harsh on you know hard for them. Yeah, Shania's I I was proud for her for that album, but Reba's I was struck by what her first venture out after losing her man her producer. Yeah. Um, and it's very personal. So I wanted to do that one, show you that song first. So the song we're going to be listening to for Sarah's benefit is um, Reba McIntyre, Stronger Than the Truth.
that was, I mean, it was pretty and you could definitely, you can feel the heartbreak. Mm-hmm. I will admit I made the mistake. I thought I clicked on a lyric video. Um, instead it was a, ra- a video made by Reba fangirl on YouTube that <laughs> was playing pictures of her husband the whole time. Oh geez. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, all righty. Well, um, yeah. so what are your but thoughts? But I think, I mean, I mean, it was, I, as far as uh, lyrics go, I think it was, I really, I thought it was well, uh, um, I thought the lyrics were done very well mm-hmm. as far as conveying what it was about. Yeah. Um, and I thought it sounded pretty. It sounded, um, I mean, my country music is very limited because it's not something I naturally gravitate towards. Yeah. But it sounded very familiar to a lot of the other country songs I'm familiar mm-hmm. with and listen to. Which is mostly like Winona Judd and Dolly well, and that, level country, that, not as much like Carrie Underwood. That's country. interesting <laughs> you said that because Reba was sort of before this album, she was like keeping up with the Joneses a little bit with where country music yeah. was going, and that's what I meant by women are not getting played. So they're like, whatever, I'll right. do what I want, and so she just goes back to her heyday of the nineties, and yeah. you know, sort of sings a song reminiscent of that. But I just thought it was so like like you said you could hear the pain in her voice but also Mm -hmm. um just so delicate of a way of saying leanne womack that's the other name i was yeah yeah that that does that is that is a good yeah leanne womack that sounds like a leanne womack song a little bit um (laughs) well now i want to take you to one that you haven't heard that i i think you might wind up listening to this whole album because of the way that because we all know the story of the Dixie Chicks back in the day when they got banned from country radio for saying they were ashamed Ooh. that George Bush was from Texas. I'm not ready to um I'm not ready to make play nice. nice. Yeah, I'm not ready make to make nice. nice. That's probably their yeah. most iconic. Love song. that. It's I mean it's Love just such a middle finger to everything. I'm not ready to make nice. Yeah. I'm not ready to back down. I mean, we've all been there. That, that and goodbye, Earl. I mean, I know they've got more than that, and I've listened to more than that, but those two, man, Goodbye Earl well, was a jam when it first came out. <laughs> Natalie Maines, um, the lead singer, her husband cheated mm-hmm. on her, and she took a different approach. Bastard. On she that. burned his house down. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> give you the, a, a little spoiler alert on this song when we listen to it on your, on your uh, streamers. It's called How Do You Sleep at Night, and... She Ooh, basically she got some feelings. She doesn't just like say you hurt me and I drank a little. She airs his dirty laundry. Because why not? Well, you know, I will <laughs> I will so there's two ways to approach a relationship when it ends. You can either um keep the bodies buried mm-hmm. or you can t- take them out for everyone to see. Well, the lead song <laughs> on this album was Gaslighter. Um Yeah. And she said um Basically, there's a line, you know what you did on my boat. <laughs> and Ellen, they were on Ellen. Well, we're about to find out. Well, and Ellen, she was like, what happened on that boat? So basically, the backstory of that was she went out on her boat and she found another woman's bra on her boat. Um, But this one. Why not- can't people keep up with their underwear? Right. I mean, how do you get on a boat with a bra on and get off of it without your bra on? Like, how do you just leave you your can- bra? If you're bigger than a small b you need a bra you're going <laughs> everyone's gonna know when you leave without it well and this like so we know that he cheated from gaslighter we know that um 
that she's not happy. And then this store, this song is one of mine and Ethan's favorites from the Dixie Chicks or from the Chicks. They've st- they've changed their name. Um, but we get a little bit more of the story from this song. So I, I thought you All might right. enjoy this one. So we're going to listen to uh, the, the Chicks Sleep at Night. So I have, I like the sound as far as Mm -hmm. even without the lyrics. Um, And I liked, and I thought it sounded really good. And I've always liked Natalie's voice. Um, The, and the story, I mean, it's, it, she reveals everything. That's not just a little cringy, right? It's a little bit cringy. She's like scorched earth. (laughs) Yeah. um, I do like, to me, there's, I have two thoughts. Um, one is that, and I guess this is just trickles and tail. No, one is this is just residual from creative writing. Is that we were always taught in our in fiction writing, you don't want to make a lot of references because then it will date your story. Yeah, and I feel like in songs, when you get almost too personal, yeah. It becomes unrelatable. Right. And but I I mean, so that would be the only criticism I truly have is it is so personal, like referencing the Hollywood Bowl and I'm such a fan yeah. that it becomes almost unrelatable. The chorus is relatable, of course. Right. Um, and obviously the feelings behind it are. That'd be my only drawback is that, mm-hmm. and I think I've experienced this in like Dolly's song, Jesus and Gravity. She starts with, they asked me, Dolly, what's your secret? And I'm like, you know, you could have just cut that part out. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but I love, I mean, I've, the sound as far as like what their band sounds like is fantastic. Well, and the thing about um, that band is the that banjo, that's one of the girls. <laughs> and that violin that you hear, that's, that's the yeah. other girl. That's the sister. Yeah. They're playing those instruments. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So, um, and I've always liked like, Natalie's voice. Mm-hmm. And again, when it's a more out like goodbye earl's not as it's unrelatable because it was it's it's a story it's more of a story this we clear once you know that this is clearly her personal it's like bless her heart i mean that's she's leaving it all all that's heartbreaking yeah like um, (laughs) yeah and then there's like most of it is this personal journey through her pain of this album yeah there's one song that i want you to listen to off this show it's called march march um, and, okay. and it's about activism, um, hmm. and one of the and and it's uh it it is a it's sort of a timely song. It's about Donald Trump, um, hmm. but it's timely. It's sort of like it reminds me of Pink, Dear Mr. President, a, yeah. a little bit, but it's not it's quite as song. it's not quite as personal to Donald Trump as Dear Mr. President mm-hmm. was to Bush. But one of the lines yeah. <laughs> in March March from this album uh is gaslighter what the yeah from gaslighter it's because that's the album it's on march march and one of the lines is what the hell happened in helsinki so do you remember what you remember the helsinki when he went into the room with putin for 90 minutes without anybody oh yes she that's one of the lines in the song what what the hell happened in helsinki and i'm like so this album is like a purge for the for the chicks they're like yeah we got we're back and we got something to say so i thought you would enjoy that a little bit yeah no and i've again i know of course 
Goodbye Earl and Not Ready to Make Nice um, is probably the two more famous ones that, of course, I know. Mm-hmm. I have no others. But I've always thought their sound was really cool. And the fact that they, their story, the sisters who kind of brought in this bluegrass singer yeah. and they, and she upset a lot of the little church families in Texas with some of her writing, but mm-hmm. they just kept on trucking. Well, and when that happened, when she, when they were like going on the like sort of maybe apology tour, explain ourselves tour, mm-hmm. they they tried the media tried to pit the sisters against Natalie, and they were mm-hmm. like, "What do you think about what Natalie said?" And they just said, "We've never hidden our politics." So yeah, you know, um, so I was I, I might be a little <laughs> surprised because I was thinking that, uh, I was thinking that uh, sleep at night would have been the one you liked better than reba's song but it sounds like they're probably equal distracting yeah i mean they're both good songs and they've both and i to me i think there comes a time and for reba especially where you just need to do what you want to do and not try to keep up with the kids yeah and i think she's there because which i appreciate i appreciate and i do think she has a pretty voice Mm -hmm. um and hers was personal without becoming almost not too personal and relatable. It was still right. kind of a universal Well, and I think it was message. personal because her fans know her story. And that's right. like, that's your story, but that's also my story. And that's so-and-so's story. We know this story. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. Um, Yeah, it's fun sharing music with you. And like I said, I didn't think I was going to make you a convert to like go to the next, you know, uh, Rascal Flats <laughs> show or something. <laughs> Oh, never. <laughs> I would never go to Rascal Flats either. I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm, I'm very particular about the country country groups or country people mm-hmm. I like. Um, so. Unrelated, before we wrap up, since we started in rock and roll, we lost two major players in rock music this week. Oh, really? Um, Joey Jordison, who was the one of the original members and the drummer for Slipknot, passed away in his 40s. Oh, Unexpected. Wow. We've not been told what happened. And then today, Dusty Hill, one of the original members of ZZ Top, passed away. Um, he was in his 70s. Yeah. So uh, not quite as alarming for a lot of people as quite like Joey, who was only in his 40s. Um, yeah. But those are two major players in rock music that well in the past 48, 72 hours passed away god rest their souls and and i hope yeah. that the people that they've left behind find peace in that um yeah. well do you want to hear a quick story of something random music related that happened to me yesterday and i haven't told you this yet um it's crazy and i'm ca- i'm gonna name names because i mean i don't i didn't solicit this and i don't think there's negative repercussions from naming names so well, we're about to find out do you know the band perry <laughs> Do you remember them? Yes, because I hate their band name. Well, they're the, they're the Perry siblings, and they're called the band yes. Perry. And they ha- they they became famous for "If I Die Young." Do you remember that song? Yeah, oh, yes, because okay. that was based on of uh, Ophelia. Oh, okay, Ophelia, so bad for yourself. <laughs> their video was at least bad for yourself. Well, the the band. A little backstory: the band is Kimberly and Reed and Neil. Reed is the middle son, middle brother. That's the po- That's the pertinent part of this story. Yesterday, I was sitting at work, and I had some free time, and Neil Perry started following me on Instagram. And I was like, whatever. Like, it must be a fan page. Why would Neil Perry follow me? And then Neil Perry started talking to me. And I was like, oh, like on Instagram Messenger or whatever. 
And I was, and like, he was just like, how's it going? Like, what's up? Yada, yada. And I was like, oh, I'm just at work. Yada, yada, la, da, da. Sir, do I know you? And I'm like, like <laughs> and I was just like, I was curious to see where this goes. And I was like, so, okay, obviously this is not really, you know, Reed Perry. And he was. Neil or Reed? Oh, I'm did sorry. You said did I say Neil? Neil? It's Reed. It was Reed Perry, the middle brother. Okay. Uh, started talk, following me. Then he started, um messaging me and then i was like so what's what's the deal bro i you know i don't know you obviously this is not reed perry and then he i got a link that said uh reed perry would like to hang out with you on instagram live and i was like okay and so i picked it up it was reed perry (laughs) so you were just on his instagram live for no reason i don't think anybody well he didn't have any followers really he only had a couple of followers and he was just like hey and i was like what is this? And like, your face is just like, ah. I was, I was like ah. <laughs> and I, I work outside, so I'm like disgusting looking. And I was just like, I'm going to catch this mofo in the act. And it was Reed Perry. And I was like, why? Hello. Why are you talking? He's like, I just like to talk to the fans and see what they think about. Are you, were you following him first? I did. I followed his like official page. Um, but were you following him before this? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. I, I, I like to like the official like blue check mark. I followed him mm-hmm. because I thought he was the gay one. I don't know. Like he just looks really <laughs> gay. He looks really gay. That's I mean, what you were gonna say. You no, know, he just looks very. <laughs> he looks very bohemian and hip. Uh, like somebody I could kick it with. Okay. Uh, on, I followed the blue check, but this one didn't have a blue check. So I just thought it's oh, a fan this was page. Like... And so. Oh. And and he's like, I'm not going to be here long. I just wanted to make one and talk to some fans real quick because we're in the studio. And I was like, okay. And so then he popped up and I was like, oh, it's Reed Perry. And then I was just like, he's like, well, just wanted to prove it was me. Got to go. And then left. And um, then they'll tell him that better dig two is a better song than if i die young well and then um like i went there today to prove that he like talked to me and that uh, account had been deleted so it wasn't him there's no way to prove I it was saw him him though. <laughs> <laughs> but um there's no way to then i woke up <laughs> well and then but that's the thing they're not they don't do country music anymore they do techno pop music now so the fuck? they 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 don't do country okay. music anymore. So it's like it's a whole do what thing. You gotta do. But yeah, uh, I had my little like brush with music people yesterday for no uh, reason. So there we go. I'm not Facebook chatted with her, but Queenie King, if I respond to her story, she always, always responds back to me. Really? <laughs> it really blows my it blew my mind the first time it happened because I just reacted to tell her I liked her single, Who? and she's like, "Hey, Sarah." Um, oh, it, and I was like, "Hello." <laughs> and Queenie King is what is who? She was part of. Um, she's a solo artist. She's married to Elijah Blue Almond, Cher's son. Uh, okay. Um, but she's a solo artist, and she was solo artist, and she was in the band, uh, the King Family, which has uh, a song I need you to listen to. Um, yeah. called "Fuck the World," which is a fantastic song. This nice. was like that song was. This music was like old, and so now she's doing solo more like electro poppy kind of rocky music which i really like so i followed her and then um <laughs> the first time she responded to me i just kind of went 
you said my name. Uh, excuse <laughs> Like, I didn't expect her to respond. Like, I just said, like, sent, like, the heart emoji or something to react to the so- her song that she posted. Yeah. I was just like, hello. Well. <laughs> Is this how adults make friends? I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> like, when, when celebrities get bored, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... This has been our journey through our musical sharings and, you know, the things we share part, part two. one. So this is part two. Part Well, part one of musical sharings because there will be a second <laughs> There'll list. Be more. There'll be more. List. list one. But this is our second episode. And now we've reached the end. So if you want to follow Sarah on Instagram, go ahead and give them your Instagram. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not My following Instagram. <laughs> My Instagram is Sadie May 57. My Twitter is Sarah Cat Cooper. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, it's Kyle L. Henderson. And um, it's also Kyle L. Henderson on TikTok. I've done exactly one video. Stay tuned. Probably won't be anymore, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So you can see me do What nothing. about your Twitter that you never post on? I Nothing. Just whatever you want to do. Just <laughs> follow me. And is it the same on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok? It is. I'm starting to get it <laughs> that all is so boring. together. Um, you got to keep people guessing. You need to change it up. <laughs> Maybe I will one day. <laughs> but I would love it if you would rate and subscribe the show on your favorite podcasting app because that will help more people find us. And it helps me to know what you like and what you don't like and what you want to hear about. Because like I said, this is the show where I have the conversations I'm having on a daily basis or the conversations I want to have. So let us know. Also, COVID's getting worse. Get those vaccines. And free Brittany. Have a good week, guys.